Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 11th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we know that the police reform bill stalled in the U.S. Senate. But what about criminal justice reform trends in the state, specifically the Charleston area? We hear from Ninth Circuit solicitor Scarlett Wilson about what they're seeing and what can be done at the state level to help. There are a multitude of reasons energy prices are rising, and we'll take a look at them in our business section and see what it means for your wallet. There's a lot of talk about natural immunity versus the vaccine, and we check it out in our medical section, and we also get an update on monoclonal antibody supplies in the state. We also want to hear from you folks, and it sounds like the hopper is nice and full, so we appreciate you guys calling. We'll get to those voicemails in our wind-down section, but don't stop sending us some voicemails, folks. You can do that by calling 803-563-7169. Leave us your name where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. You heard us talk about Halloween candy. Weigh in. Let us know. Maybe favorite Halloween movies or what you're dressing up as for Halloween this year. That's what we want to know about. Squid Game. Did, are you a Squid Game person already? Did you already get that? Hmm? You going to do that? You going to go trick-or-treating? Let us know. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,034 total deaths, and currently there are 879,012 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 11th at 4 p.m. Weekly case counts are down for their fifth consecutive week to 10,938 last week, which was down 4,700 from the week prior. And weekly deaths are down for the third week in the state, dropping to 140 last week versus 342 in the previous one. Our percent positive rate is 5.5%. Currently, 1,306 people are hospitalized with COVID-19, 380 are in intensive care, and 271 are on ventilators. All these numbers continue to trend down as well. Right now, 11 children are hospitalized with COVID-19, 4 are in intensive care, and 3 are on ventilators. And as of today, 2.29 million South Carolinians, or 53.4% of the eligible population, is fully vaccinated. Okay, so we know that the police reform bill failed in the Senate after negotiations broke down between Democrats, led by Senator Cory Booker, and Republicans, led by Senator Tim Scott. But last week, the Charleston Forum held a virtual panel discussion on law enforcement and criminal justice reforms, and things that can be done at the state level, with the data to back it up, such as better pretrial programs, ending cash bail in the state, increasing accountability of the bail bond industry, and passing a statute that addresses excessive use of force by law enforcement. Ninth Circuit Solicitor Scarlett Wilson was one of several panelists and said that the need for such a statute was abundantly clear in the trial against North Charleston Police Officer Michael Slager following the shooting death of Walter Scott in 2015. When the community, the government, arms people, men and women, wearing the uniform, wearing the badge, gives them a weapon, tells them to run towards danger, Uh, trains them almost exclusively on using force versus how to get out of using force, Um, we find ourselves in a situation where when there is a bad apple, when there is a terribly unfortunate situation, we don't have good statutes to hold uh, 
bad apples accountable. And it was really a shame that in the prosecution of uh, Michael Slager, when we got to the part of the trial where the judge was to give the jury instruction, the defense didn't know what the legal standard was for uh, the defendant's state of mind. We didn't know what the legal standard should have been. And there was a, you know, half day to day long hearing about what the standard even was. Everybody, um, all of the media and onlookers from afar assumed that it was Tennessee v. Garner, assumed that we had a reasonable officer standard, and we don't. And uh, we need to codify the state of mind that's required uh, to hold an officer accountable when they uh, commit misconduct. We need to have uh, special or graduated penalties within that. So, you know, not because we want to uh, make every cop out there a criminal by any stretch, but we need to catch up with the rest of the country when there are, I think, 43, 44 states that have laws that specifically address law enforcement misusing force, using excessive force. And we don't have one. And we've had trials, many states may not have even had an excessive force trial like we've seen here. We've seen it, we've walked through it, and we know how that ends. And it's going to keep ending that way until we have a statute on the books that law enforcement can understand, uh, that prosecutors can understand, more importantly, that juries, juries can understand. Slinger's five-week murder trial ended with a mistrial in 2016 after a jury was deadlocked. But in 2017, Slinger was found guilty in federal court for violating Scott's civil rights after shooting him five times in the back as he was running away from Slager following a traffic stop that was caught on video. Wilson gave an example of data her office has been collecting and what it says about race, why people are being arrested, and what it all means. We know that black men are arrested many more times than white men. We see, however, in my office that uh, black men, their cases are dismissed at a much higher rate than white men for insufficient evidence. And I think that's pretty telling that we have so many more people coming into the system. I mean, it's like a funnel. And that when my prosecutors are seeing cases that don't meet standards for prosecutions, they're getting rid of them. And they're getting rid of them um, in a, a number that points out that people may be being arrested on cases that they shouldn't be arrested on. And so once we deal or dig deeper into that data, what we can look at is which agencies uh, mainly are responsible for that what kinds of stops or situations led to those arrests, and why were those arrests made when there wasn't enough evidence to move forward with the prosecution. Understanding now, but understanding that law enforcement has a public safety responsibility out there on the scene, on the dangerous streets that we don't have in the calm cool of our office. Understanding that law enforcement makes arrests on probable cause, which means probably. And I tell people all the time, we don't want to send people to prison. We don't want to lock people up 
for days, weeks, months, much less years at a time based on probably. Uh, we need proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And what we're seeing is that an exponential number of cases against black people don't have that proof. And that's something, that data, that collection is pointing us in a direction that we need to go and we need to go hand in hand with law enforcement. The Charleston County Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, or CJCC, is a collaborative council of criminal justice system leaders and community representatives that studies trends, identifies common challenges, and implements strategies to address them. The CJCC deliberately prioritized alternatives to jail for lower-level charges that were most frequently booked and that disparately impacted communities of color. The CJCC also supported law enforcement's increasing use of community-based services, like the Tri-County Crisis Stabilization Center, so people can get the help they need without falling deeper into the criminal justice system. Such steps have fundamentally changed jail use in Charleston County, and this is from the organization's annual report from last year. From 2014 to 2020, local bookings decreased by 62%. The number of municipal and magistrate charges entering the jail decreased by 78%. The number of individuals cycling repeatedly through the jail decreased by 63% and local jail populations decreased by 38%. So a lot going on down there in Charleston County when it comes to criminal justice reform. But again, a lot needs to happen at the state level, according to Wilson. And on the way out, we got a little campaign trail update for you. According to state campaign disclosures for the third quarter, Governor Henry McMaster raised more than $1 million during July, August, and September for a total of $3.5 million this cycle. The campaign has about $2.4 million on hand. McMaster's fundraising eclipses Democrat Joe Cunningham's $360,000 for the same quarter, which pushed the former congressman past the $1 million mark since his announcement in late April by $57. $1,057,000. Cunningham has half a million dollars on hand, and State Senator Mia McLeod, who is also running for the Democratic nomination, has not released her quarterly fundraising totals yet. Okay, you may have heard a lot about rising energy prices and even seen it at the gas pump lately, where prices are averaging just over $3, or up about 12 cents from last month. Last year, it was about $1.94 a gallon. Of course, 2020 comparisons are always a bit out there because it was such an odd year. Nevertheless, energy prices are rising for a multitude of reasons, and a recent Wall Street Journal article delved into this. And I wanted to break it down because we'll be feeling this cost even more once it gets colder. Here's the WSJ lead. Crude oil has risen 64% this year to a seven-year high. Natural gas prices have roughly doubled over the past six months to a seven-year high. Heating oil has risen 68% this year. Prices at the pump are up nearly a dollar over the past 12 months to a national average of just over $3 a gallon. Coal prices are at records. Yikes, right? Okay, a lot to take in there. And of course, these rising energy prices could also increase inflation and put downward pressure on consumer spending, which would slow the economy. So a lot of moving parts. But we got some numbers behind that context, because I know you guys love numbers. It's just two quick ones. There's data. In August, about 7% of consumer spending went toward energy costs, according to the Labor Department. Historically, higher energy prices have often preceded recessions. Also, thrown consumer prices. That rose 4.3% from a year earlier, according to the Commerce Department. Data. 
Now, what's causing all this? Who Who's behind this? Why is this happening, you ask? <laughs> well, we are looking for the band behind the curtain. The higher energy prices are being driven by rising demand and tight supplies. So you guys are doing this. <laughs> As the pandemic fades and consumers around the world step up spending, factories and service providers are ramping up production, which requires energy. Oil supplies are tight because oil exporting countries have decided to increase production in measured steps instead of opening the taps more widely. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And natural gas supplies are running low even months after the Texas freeze and Hurricane Ida forced nearly all of the Gulf of Mexico's gas output offline. This, along with higher demand from Europe, where inventories have dropped because of hot weather, lackluster wind power generation, and lower imports from Russia. Lots of factors there, folks. We live in a global society. But to revisit the oil situation, AAA said last week that prices rose following the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, also known as OPEC+, because it includes Russia and their allies. Now, they chose not to move forward with an agreement to produce 800,000 barrels a day in November. Instead, OPEC+, decided to keep its 400,000 barrels a day planned production increase intact for now. So, we can also blame OPEC here. (laughs) Prices have increased even as data show that total domestic crude inventories have increased as well. So, moving part number four, five, or six. A lot to think about when it comes to energy prices. It's not a single person's fault. It's not that easy. It's the culmination of a lot of things. One of which is the uh, ongoing global pandemic. You might have heard about it. (laughs) Man, a lot going on there. And I tried to give you my best Kai Rizdal, folks. I know he did a lot of numbers. Let's talk natural immunity to COVID. I recently got into mm, a discussion with my cousin on Facebook about the power of natural immunity when it comes to combating the virus. The debate centered around why people need to get vaccinated if they already have antibodies from naturally contracting the virus. Now, much is still unknown about immunity and transmissibility, which is why leading medical professionals and studies show that you should get the vaccine even if you have been infected. A Newsweek article helped back up this Facebook discussion, so I can do my own research with the internet. And Dr. Sabrina Asimo, an infectious disease physician at Boston Medical Center, cautioned against relying on natural immunity as protection against COVID. Listen to this quote. There are still questions about the protection of natural immunity against variants, she told Newsweek. A recent study showed that the likelihood of reinfection was higher among unvaccinated persons when compared to vaccinated individuals. Now, she was referencing a small CDC study that found individuals in Kentucky who already had COVID and had not been vaccinated against the virus were over twice as likely to be reinfected in comparison with people who were fully vaccinated. So that's a big red flag right there. Unvaccinated people who already got COVID are twice as likely to be reinfected than fully vaccinated folks. Now, vaccination provides a high level of protection against COVID, she said, adding, we know that the current vaccines that are authorized or approved in the U.S. all work well against the Delta variant. Vaccination is also recommended for individuals who have recovered from COVID-19. So the big takeaway here is that the more protection, the better. Moving on, DHEC announced late last week that recent shortages of monoclonal antibodies have been resolved at this time and that the state has sufficient supplies to provide for every resident who could benefit from these effective treatments. 
Currently, monoclonal antibody treatments for people with COVID-19 are authorized by the Federal Food and Drug Administration under an emergency use authorization. And data shows that treatments are successful in reducing the chance of severe disease, hospitalization, and death by 70%. And the treatment shortens the duration of symptoms by an average of four days for those people. DHEC said it is working with providers to expand treatment locations, including to areas where there currently are no providers. Right now, the state has 11,534 monoclonal antibody treatments available for eligible residents. To date, 32,686 COVID-19 patients in the state have been treated with monoclonal antibodies. But you should still get the vaccine. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. You know that. I know that. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Talk about things that maybe aren't so news related. Give everyone a break. I know it's a lot out there. Teachers, parents, medical professionals. We thank all of you for doing what you're doing and more. All of our frontline frontline workers out there. We appreciate you more than you would know. So tell us your stories. Tell us some uh, interesting moments you've been experiencing out there. 803-563-7169. Or you could just tell us what you're doing for Halloween if you're doing anything. If you're going trick-or-treating, what the hot watching costume anything is. Anything spooky. Anything watching spooky you're watching. Spooky. Yeah, we got some recommendations. Yeah. Let us know. 803-563-7169. AT, you inform me that we have a, a glut. I, we have a glut. We have a glut. Of, we have the hoppers <laughs> very happily full. But we have we a oil. we have a um <laughs> we struck oil to keep, speaking, in, to keep, keep it the theme. energy stuff yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we actually we are all green on the, the South Carolina lead. We use I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's all, we got pure crude popping out the hopper right now. It's great. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you. We want solar. Thanks. <laughs> keep your fossil fuels. But we have a uh, a long time listener. Oh, yes, Colin a long time me. listener who I've missed for a very long time. I mean. What luck do I have? What luck do I have that that I get a call from Trader Joe who's moved away and now we get a call here? Okay, so just just check this out Listen and just up. imagine how how pleased I am. Hey guys, it's Roman. I'm um, calling from Houston actually. Uh, moved from Dubai to Houston um, to start the school year, and uh, I'm looking forward to visiting Southland in the winter time. Uh, in the meantime, staying up to date with, uh, with the show and um, wanted to do my bit for uh, the wind down. I got uh, two kind of questions I would love to know y'all's uh, input on. Uh, one of them is, what do you think uh, is going to happen to Facebook and what do you think should happen to Facebook? Um, question number two, and I've been kind of looking on this, but I don't know, um, maybe... That guy, Jamie, he seems to know a lot about this kind of stuff, but no. When is Jim Clyburn, or what is Jim Clyburn's um, sweetheart sort of like, you know, payback is going to be from Biden for uh, for basically getting elected? Um, like, I want to know, when is that sweet, sweet sausage coming back to South Carolina, and uh, what's it going to be? Uh, also, because I'm in Houston, Roman, welcome back to the United States. Let us know when you get back to South Carolina. Also, um, Meg Kennard's going to be in Houston for just a little bit longer. She's coming back before the end of the month, so about a week from now, less than a week. So uh, I know it's a big city down there. It's a lot of potholes and... <laughs> 
big, big great, mansions. Great big, great big city. But uh, as for the Facebook, I say blow up Facebook. That's my I, one I think, take. Yeah, I think we should burn it, burn it, burn <laughs> it to the ground. I, I mean, it does. It comes in handy for some things, but I don't know. It's uh, ever... Ever-evolving debate, good or bad, right? Today, like, it's all just about an argument with your cousin. Yeah. I mean, so it just depends. For me, it, I mean, I, I like it in some respects. But overall... You is, like is to it, creep on people. Is, is it? Yeah. Saying. I mean, is it, is it good? I don't know. If, I, I would love to see some studies done about if it's worth it overall. But all Facebook my, good, has all done my those college photos are there. Them. You know, I got to... All, all my, my college photos. All my photos, photos are there. Yeah. I can't download oh, all those. <laughs> Come on, I look no, great in those photos. <laughs> blow it up. Uh, but for Clyburn, I think it's a number of things. It's not just one thing. You know, he got not some, one sausage. You know, he got primo assignments. He got that. He got to be named chairman of Biden's inaugural committee. He really got to help flex some muscle in getting uh, Jamie Harrison as the DNC chairman. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, talking to Biden about picking Kamala Harris as VP. I mean, all these yeah. things. He, like he, he got he, the VP. Yeah, he gets that he all wanted. that stuff. So it's it's all very much. Um, you know, who it's a knows lot what, of sausages. It's not just one big one. And it'll be interesting to see what he does if there's a Supreme Court nomination coming up at some point as well. Oh, yeah. So a lot of those little things add add up. And then, of course, you know, what, a number of things for um, these infrastructure bills, wherever they go. He has a hand uh, in that you, as well. South so. Carolina, that, that's, when the, that's when the sausage comes home right there. Yeah. You know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll get some primo stuff back here, I'm sure. Roman, great to hear from you. I, I missed you. I'm yeah. glad you're back. We didn't get to hear from him much in Dubai. I would love to hear more about I mean, his I travels. I mean, wow, a lot of moving, probably... you know, during a pandemic, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But anyway, Gavin, because the hopper, we're so flush in the hopper, I mm. thought today we could double dip mm-hmm. uh, just a little bit mm-hmm. because we got a great call last week or, or Saturday. We solicited if anyone liked a certain candy, mm-hmm. please candy call corn. in and explain. <laughs> Please call in and explain yourself. Uh, so uh, we got a call, and here we go. This is it. Hi, Gavin and Aki. This is Melanie from Columbia. Um, I was just listening to the podcast where we're talking about candy corn, and you asked for somebody who likes candy corn. I love candy corn. So does my mother-in-law. So do both of my nephews and my kiddo. They love candy corn. I think it's delicious. I think you need to mix it with some salted peanuts. So you get a payday experience, kind of delicious, but also I will say that in my Keep Apex Predator um, stash would definitely be all things chocolate. Um, If it's not chocolate, I really don't want to hang out with it. I know that Crocs might have passed that conversation, but I agree with Meg. They're the worst. Um, We should not wear them. They're so unattractive. It's the most unattractive shoe. I can't think of another more unattractive shoe. On a more serious note, I do want to thank the pod for all of the coronavirus updates. I feel like Gavin has really, like, put in so much more effort to be hard-hitting when it comes to um, the science, and I appreciate that very much. Like, he's not letting people say a bunch of nonsense, and I think that's wonderful. We need more voices like that so that we can get on the other side of this pandemic. We have all been fine. Everybody who can be vaccinated is vaccinated, so that would be one thing that I would encourage everybody. Go get vaccinated, and I hope you all have a wonderful week and a spookiest of spooky seasons. Bye! Melanie, we love that you love candy corn and that you have yeah. your support network. I'm happy that you have your people. Obviously, we are uh, 
We have different opinions there. Also love hearing about your <laughs> apex predator stash of candy. A lot of chocolate doesn't sound yeah. like a Skittle is a welcome in that situation. Nary a Skittle in sight. Yeah. Nary a Skittle in sight. Oh, of course, we can all agree about the most unattractive shoe, the Croc. I disagree. I well, mean, hard we can disagree. all agree. We can all disagree, right? We can all <laughs> I don't like it. I think, I think Yeezys are pretty disgusting, honestly, uh, for a popular shoe. Or that Balenciaga shoe. Balenciaga. All those chunky foam <laughs> chunky posits baby. are gross. Yeah. Those are no, gross. I, those mm, are disgusting. Mm, I don't like them at all. No I, swag, I, never, really, I never understood I it, but... Um, they are expensive. Yeah, I'll I mean, give them I, that. I did have a pair of those Balenciagas, and I was like, oh, I don't need these anymore. I They're just, not good. I threw them yeah. out. Um, I just threw them out. I, I have my dad. He keeps buying them for me, and I keep throwing them out. <laughs> just no throw them away why? every time. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but yes, I appreciate you and your kind words also, Melanie, because there is just so much news out there, and we've always been trying to get you all the most pertinent info available. So that is that is the name of the game. That's what the podcast is here for, because there's plenty of people out there yelling and screaming, and we're like, hey, 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 hey. Hooting and hollering. Let's just give the people the info they need, folks. Yeah. And that's Crocs what the pod, are great. Yeah, Crocs. <laughs> So that's the info, Crocs and candy. <laughs> I, I realized that I really missed an opportunity to to call this month Croctober mm. instead of, I mean, it's spooky season and it's Croctober. Uh, and that's wait till next me. year. I, I apologize to the listeners for that. I will wait for next I year. Mean, I have it written just, down. I have it written down right here. Oh, just wait till we get to, you know, our favorite time of year for car sales, December. December to remember oh, December event. December to remember sales event. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> was that last year when we had like the most iconic, like when we like, wrote them all? Yeah, yeah we, we wrote, wrote them all. all. Everyone's like, how'd you go? I'm yeah. like, there's a lot of research that went into that. That was a lot. That was weeks of research there. Some of them are better than others. You know, the certified pre-owns and the Mercedes-Benz. You know, I can't remember, I don't remember them off the top of my head. I can't remember what they are. Toyota-thon. Yeah. Truck you know, month. Those I are mean, the great truck ones. month is the most comparable thing to Croctober. I can go ahead and say that. <laughs> I'll agree. I will agree with that. That's right. Is it the same month? I don't know. Who, who knows? But uh, spiritually, they have a pickup truck. You have a pickup truck, ET. You're supposed to know. I have a pickup truck, and that was why I could justify myself buying camo Crocs. If oh yeah, sharp your listeners remember. Well, remember? they were yeah, they were in your the the um, glove compartment, if I remember correctly. They just came with it, the car, the truck. It was different. It was more like a Harry Potter getting accepted <laughs> in a Hogwarts <laughs> scenario, where like I bought the truck and then. A bird showed, showed up, up outside yeah. my window with the Crocs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what kind of bird, but it was dirty. It was dirty, and it asked for bus fare. <laughs> Sounds like it came from Philadelphia. Go birds. Anyway, Gavin, we got two, so yeah, take it Yeah, let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. We appreciate your calls, your hot takes. Keep them coming, folks. Love it, love it, love it. And you can do that by calling us at 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We love those so much as well. You can stay updated with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. There's an algebra. Yeah, I mean, I have a a formula, a very simple formula. (laughs) Everybody's a suspect.